0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Sport Horse Podcast. I'm Nicole Lakin. And I'm Tim Warden.
0: And we will be covering a very important topic regarding rider safety today. Uh, We're bringing on Amy Murphy today. So she uh, completed her master's uh, thesis looking at helmet safety in, in riders and specifically comparing. The MIPS technology versus helmets that don't have MIPS technology. But it's a really important conversation because uh, concussions, we're, we're learning more and more about them each year. They're, we're becoming more and more aware about what can create very devastating uh, issues later in life if you sustain multiple concussions or a very severe concussion or traumatic brain injury. And so it's something that we really do need to be thoughtful of. Um, obviously, we can't be afraid to ride. We still need to to do the sport and to go out and uh, perform. But at the same time, how can we make it safer? What technologies can we uh, employ? And obviously helmet would be the the first and foremost and sort of what's the story right now and looking towards the future, what's coming down the pipeline for helmet safety. So it's a really interesting discussion.
1: And I mean, I wish I had known before we recorded our interview that I could call it MIPS and not MIPS, but here we are. Um, Our guest today, as Tim shared with you, is Amy Murphy. She attended the University of Ottawa for her undergraduate degree in human kinetics with an emphasis on biophysical sciences and then completed a Master of Sciences in the Neurotrauma Science Impact Laboratory, testing riding helmet effectiveness. Amy's a lifelong rider and was on the University of Ottawa riding team during all four years of her undergrad. And currently, Amy is working as a strength and conditioning coach for the University of Ottawa and works in a physiotherapy clinic as an exercise assistant to prescribe rehabilitation programs to people with injuries. Hi, Amy, and welcome to the Sport Horse podcast. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me here. We are so excited uh, for you to be here. It's a little bit different than some of the episodes that we've done in the past, but such an important conversation to have. And uh, to start us off, I want to talk a little bit about concussions. Um, So concussions are a type, just one type of traumatic brain injury, and they're getting a lot more attention today than they did 10 or 20 years ago. Uh, The long-term impacts are potentially devastating, so we need to be doing everything possible to mitigate that risk. And to begin, I'm wondering if you could just talk to us a bit about what causes a concussion.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So concussions are classified as an MTBI or a mild traumatic brain injury. Concussions are typically caused by a direct or indirect impact to the head, neck, and presenting a wide range of clinical symptoms, including physical, behavioral, cognitive impairment, and sleep disturbances. Concussions are typically associated with rotational accelerations and rotational velocities. So when we hit our heads, it is likely that there are both linear and rotational components. Typically, it is uncommon to hit your head in an isolated manner, such as only linear or rotationally. What I mean by that is when you hit your head, it's likely at an angle, say 45 degrees where there are rotational and linear components whereas a completely linear impact would be 0 degrees. For when these rotational accelerations and rotational velocities occur when we hit our heads, they are creating strain on our brain tissue. The rotational components create shear strain to our brain tissues because the strain because the brain tissues have a low shear modulus or what's commonly known as a low tolerance to the shear strains. And when our brains experience rotational components that are damaging, then we ex- experience concussive like symptoms and may be diagnosed as a concussion.
0: Awesome, so I think that's a really nice overview of uh, concussions and uh, this being the Sport Horse podcast, uh, so we'll focus on obviously equestrian sports now. What is it about our disciplines and our sport that predisposes our athletes to um, a relatively high risk of concussion? So I know if you read through a lot of like the neurotrauma, like research papers, like. Often when they're talking about those types of injuries, um, equestrian is usually flagged in a lot of these journal articles. is one of those sports where the athletes are at a very high risk of injury, and it's it's sort of interesting to see that because I, I think a lot of times we think about like the footballs and the hockey's and um, like even boxing and and those types of sports, but equestrian is is right up there. So what is it, what is it about falls from our sport that put such a strain on our bodies and cause these types of injuries?
2: Sure. So we know a question is a very fast paced sport that is performed at a meter or more off the ground. So with that being said, when riders fall, they carry these very fast impact velocities They have far distances to fall, various surfaces to be impacted in a variety of angles that the head could hit the ground at. These combination of variables put equestrians at a high risk for falls and a risk for concussion and are vulnerable to high magnitudes of strain upon impacts. Specifically, the average equestrian fall that resulted in concussions in the studies I based my thesis on was falling onto a turf or a sand surface at a velocity of 9 meters per second and an angle of 26.5 degrees.
0: Like You you talked a lot about falls there like do we have an idea of whether these types of injuries like typically come from falls or because there are other things that you know in the equestrian world are a little bit risky as well and like sometimes you'll see uh, uh maybe someone's standing in front of a horse and it reacts quickly and like the horse's head comes up and can, can catch the can catch the rider or you know you can get kicked and there's sort of other things that can happen like do you have a sense of where most of the concussions are coming from in our sport is it mostly falls
2: yeah. So, um, based on other studies that I've talked about where these have come from, is typically coming from falls. That being said, it's absolutely possible to get kicked and get a concussion. Um, it's just more common to see someone falling off a horse and then going and reporting it or going to the hospital and getting it kind of diagnosed as a concussion and that sort of things. But yes, majority, like 95% of injuries in equestrian come from falling off the horse in that way.
1: Would you mind giving us a little bit of a, like a quick overview of your, um, your PhD study? And I'm just really curious, like how, how you would try and mimic these sort of real life, um, injuries and, and how you can study them in a scientific way.
2: So basically what I did for my study is, um, I based my research off of someone who has done it before me. So I was just expanding their research. So what they did originally is that they looked at a bunch of different equestrian falls. They came up with what's the average fall for that specific discipline. Um, From there, then I used a bunch of other different studies to see what was actually going on as well as helmets, how helmets are being tested right now. So I kind of, um, adjusted it so that it was more real world because everything that happens in a lab is like very black and white versus in real world, everything changes. And even if you see like something is tested in the lab, it's not going to react the exact same in real world. So I just, um, came up with this real world protocol that was based off of other researchers in the area. Um, and then I tested these helmets using what was called a rail guided launcher. So basically it's this whole rig that launched helmets at the ground and it was pretty intense. It was pretty fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you got to kind of catch them sometimes, but um, yeah, so we used that way instead of using a drop test because usually how standards do it is it's kind of like a vertical rig where it just like drops onto a surface and then we look at impacts that way but mine was actually kind of launching it. So it's more of like a parabola type of curve as opposed to just falling straight down, which is if you fall off, you're typically not just going to like drop to the ground. There's going to be some pushing force and coming down. So that's why I use kind of the method that I did. And then I got my results from that. Is that kind of helpful?
1: Yeah, that also sounds like a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) What Um, am I saying? Yes. Uh, Well, as a follow up on that, um, we know that some helmet companies are beginning to incorporate the MIPS or multi directional impact protection systems to attenuate the rotational accelerations that you were just describing um, and brain tissue strain. So, can you explain how this MIPS technology works?
2: So this technology is one of the most dominant rotational technologies that are seen today. This technology has a thin layer or thin liner of polycarbonate that is secured to the helmet. The design behind this technology was that the liner inside the helmet allows the head to move relative to the helmet. This is intended to reduce the magnitude of rotational components the brain receives. As we know, the energy cannot be destroyed. So the intention is that the energy is getting transferred from the brain tissues to the shell of the helmet when the head is rotating within the liner to reduce the magnitude of rotational components that the brain tissues are experiencing.
0: Interesting and like fascinating to see this technology sort of uh coming on board. And just as a quick follow-up, are there many other technologies out there or things that you think in the future may start to make its way into the, the helmets, not to put you on the spot and ask you to uh, predict anything in the future, but I'm just curious to know what sort of technologies are out there.
2: So right now there is a bunch of technologies. Um, there's like fluid ones. Um, I don't know if anybody's heard of like the wave cell. Um, There's a bunch that are out there right now. Um, They're all kind of, they all have their pros and cons. Obviously, I'm not saying that MIPS is the best out there. They also have their pros and cons. Um, I think that hopefully in the future, once things are tested um, in maybe a more applicable manner, then hopefully the risk of concussions and that sort of thing can start to go down as we learn more because Right now, we only know so much. So the more we can work on something and understand something, then obviously the better the protective capacity could be.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, I was actually chatting to Nicole or with Nicole a little bit about this last week. I was reading a study. I can't remember what sport. I think it was like an NCAA, like a college athlete pool. And, um, I think one of the the things that they found was protective against concussion and they were like very cautious that like, it may not be directly protective against concussions. Maybe it's just a relationship, but was, um, neck strength. And and I was curious to know, Amy, if you've read anything about that or or know anything about that, if there are certain things we can do in, in training, actually. So maybe like, you know, strengthening the neck is one thing that could potentially, um, set people up to be less likely to, Uh, sustain that concussion?
2: So all of my testing, I didn't use any necks. It was all just a head. Um, Right now, (laughs) as far as I know, (laughs) is um, I'm not really sure what the impact of a neck is. I think it all depends on the different types of falls. So if you're falling, say in one scenario, the neck might be helpful. Like it might help hold the head from kind of rotating and flopping everywhere, as opposed to other impacts where the neck might actually cause more strain. It all depends kind of how it's falling. Um, I think that's definitely an area that needs more research because that'd be very helpful to kind of let people strengthen their necks to at least try and save themselves a little bit if they could.
1: Yeah, I think an interesting um, factor as well is we're seeing a lot more use of those airbag um, vests in the show jumping world that have actually been used in three-day eventing for some time. Um, You know, even just at the world championships, you know, top riders wearing them. Um, And some of the questions about those vests are how they interact with the neck and the helmet when they do deploy. Um, So I think, um, you know, it'll be really interesting to see over time how, you know, one tech technology in combination with another, um, may have an impact on, on those factors as well.
2: Oh, absolutely. Especially if you kind of consider if your helmet is super heavy for your head, then it's going to really influence kind of your acceleration because things that are heavy are going to accelerate faster. So it would really be interesting to see kind of the relationship with the neck and all of that kind of stuff that's going on.
1: Yeah. uh, with that said, um, you know, obviously your research was focusing on, um, you know, answering specific questions about different helmet technologies. Um, and there, like you said, it was just testing the head by itself, which I'm now picturing like a watermelon wearing a helmet, getting like chucked across the room. But, um, (laughs) <laughs> despite my wild imagination um, I, I wonder if there's other questions that um, your research sort of stirred up that you're really curious to see more research be done to to get to the bottom of
2: oh absolutely so my study opened up a lot of different questions because we did see that the Hummus technology wasn't um, staying together so upon each impact the MIPS technology actually, broke out of the helmet so the little suspension piece that connected the liner to the helmet was breaking on every every impact now i don't know if that's because i tested at such a high velocity compared to what it's tested at i don't know if that's the impact or the service that i impacted there's a lot of variables that i don't know from that that opened up a lot of questions especially for mips specifically when i talked to them Um, it also just kind of opens up a zillion questions of okay, now I know what happens at say the angle that I tested at, what happens at an angle greater or what happens on faster impacts or everything like that, which really kind of was interesting to see.
1: Yeah. That sort of brings back just as a rider, I, I feel like over the last couple of years, especially we've been educated a little bit more that if you do have, um, a fall where your head hits the ground that you need to sort of immediately replace your helmet. Um, I, I think that, um, what you just described is, is sort of an extreme, um, version of that, but, um, yeah, I, I, that's, that's really interesting and a
2: little disconcerting. I would say. Yeah, it's, it's, could definitely be better, but there's a lot of different factors at play. And so yeah, take that as you will. I don't want to throw that company under the bus. It's a great company, but <laughs> always always room for improvements.
1: Um, so with that in mind, I know that you tested a lot of commercially available helmets, both with and without the the MIPS technology. Um for that helmet brand. Um, How did, other than what you just described of it coming apart, how did the MIPS affect the simulated brain accelerations?
2: So the test method that I used was typical of an average compressive fall in a question, which I described earlier. Um, And this is significantly different than standardized helmet testing. So the helmets that I tested in my thesis did not have many significant differences from helmets without the MIPS technology. When I broke down my results by ANVIL compliance, so I tested um, a high and a low, so concrete and a turf surface and impact location, which I used three different. I used front, side, and rear boss. So in some instances, the rotational components in the brain tissue strains were lower in helmets with MIPS technology, but this was not consistent. And in some cases, the brain tissue strains were actually increased in helmets with MIPS technology. The results revealed that helmets with rotational technology should be designed to perform under these high energy conditions. And if the rotational technology was designed within within these considerations, then it would be possible to kind of investigate the potential of rotational technologies to decrease the dynamic head responses and the brain tissue strains that are occurring.
0: That's, That's really interesting. So it sounds like you know we're on the right track with how these helmets are being developed but maybe we're just you know it it really hasn't crossed the finish line so it it almost sounds like like the MIPS could potentially help especially maybe with some of those lower velocity falls but like when we, we start looking at those higher velocity falls like the technology is not um, 100% there yet and it it may not make as big a difference as we hope it would make. Would that sort of be a fair assumption for where we are right now?
2: Yeah, basically I would, um, I would consider that because I think there is a long way to go, but we do know that under certain conditions during their testing, like it worked for them. So um, there's definitely a lot of good things that could come from this helmet. And I think it is a really good design personally, but as of right now, I think there's still some more way to go to kind of improve our protective capacity to kind of save some of our rider's heads.
0: And uh, I, I know you've sort of left the research world and you're more on the, the, the clinical side now and, and uh, more on the strength conditioning side, but like, what do you think the next steps are for this research and in the next steps for helmet development?
2: So I think the next steps um, would be just to kind of test more helmets. I would say um, look at the research that I produced, as well as some other studies have come out with similar things. Um, is to kind of take their helmet. I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't take it back, but just to kind of improve their design so that they can kind of improve what has people have identified as. Needing to be improved. So, for example, they could go and they could improve their um, little suspensions that were connecting the liner to the helmet and see and then put it back out to be tested and then see how that influenced it because it could just be the suspension breaking and then while the liner being loose in the helmet is creating more rotational accelerations. But again, like we don't know that, so we can't assume that that's causing. One is causing the other. So I think they just need to kind of work with what results they're getting and then seeing what they can do in the actual helmet themselves to improve their technology.
1: I'm curious if you have any advice for somebody who's, you know, helmet shopping or, you know, in in the in the market for a new helmet um, and they want to find what's best for them and going to, going to give them, you know, the best chance at, at protecting themselves in case of a fall.
2: That's a hard question because I only, I tested one brand of helmet and I wouldn't say that I'm ex- an expert on all of the helmets. Um, so it really depends kind of what they're looking for. And there's a lot of helmets that have been improved in the last couple of years and all of that kind of stuff i would just look for something that was comfortable for your head it doesn't have to be the most expensive helmet that you can buy um something that again just something that's comfortable is not weighing your head down um something that's going to let your head breathe all of that stuff i wouldn't specifically look right now anyways for like a mips helmet unless you were someone who had already a lot of worries with their brain or has had a lot of concussions and that sort of area, but yeah, I don't know if that's helpful.
1: <laughs> no, I, I think it is. I think like instinctually, you know, you want to find a helmet with a good fit. And I, I feel like what you've just shared with us is sort of encouragement that that's generally a good sign if you're comfortable and it fits well, it's probably going to uh, keep you pretty safe.
2: Yeah.
0: So um, this has all been really interesting, Amy. We've we've made it to the last question, which is a question we ask everyone, and um, it, it's a little bit abstract. But if you could talk directly to a horse and they could understand you and sort of you know process your comments, what would you want to tell them?
2: Um, if I was able to talk to a horse and they could understand me, I would probably want to tell them how amazing I think they are. Um and thank them for not dumping me off them more times. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Limit the number of falls is the uh the key, yeah. response, I guess.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amy. It's been really interesting to to hear this discussion. And and again, I think that it's cool that all of these helmet companies are looking at new technology and are trying to they're trying to test it, they're trying to validate it and make sure that it is going to have a positive impact and it we're just starting at that journey. It sounds like, right. Like, you know, if we were to talk in two, three years, I think it will be a very different conversation than we're having right now, but um, yeah, it's super exciting times, I think. So thank you so much.
2: You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure.
0: The sponsor of today's episode is barn manager. Barn Manager provides easy to use management software that enables barns to improve their record keeping, scheduling, communication, and business management. With offerings starting at $10 a month, Barn Manager offers solutions for any size stable. Barn Manager is designed for barn managers by barn managers. They communicate with their users on a regular basis to see how their platform can grow and improve. Thanks to customer feedback, Barn Manager is preparing to launch invoicing, payment processing, and revenue tracking tools as part of a new subscription offering called Barn Manager Pro. Find more information on their website and sign up for a personal live demo to learn how Barn Manager can meet your barn's needs. Barn Manager also has a special offer for our listeners. Sign up for a free trial of Barn Manager at www.barnmanager.com and enter code PODCAST10 for 10% off the first three months of your subscription. Go and check it out and we'll have more details in a link to our podcast. That was a really in- interesting conversation with Amy. I'm, I'm glad she joined us for this week's episode. Um, and I think like for me, the big take home is that it's, it's an exciting journey right now with uh, these helmet companies investing more and more in research and then bringing in different technologies that can potentially help. Um, and I think that it's, it's one of those things where even though we're not all the way to where we want to be. I'm not sure that we will never be able to protect against every injury and every fall, right? So it's how do we mitigate those risks and helmets every year, they're getting better. They're um, more effective. They're, we're hopefully seeing like fewer and fewer uh, of those catastrophic injuries. And like, I, I do think that is the case. So it's, it's an important journey that we're on, and I think that the big take-home is to stay on top of the research, to like make sure that the helmet that you're purchasing is well-studied, uh, that it's validated, and that you're supporting a company that is taking this seriously, is looking for new technologies, is constantly um, testing and making sure that their helmets are doing what they're designed to do. But, um, you know, really, really interesting, and I think the the future looks bright for uh, helmet technology.
1: Yeah, I I found that to be really um, sort of a relief, to be honest. Um, I know for me personally, when we were discussing, you know, this episode as a topic, and um, you know, the little bit of a departure from a focus on on the horse specifically to a little bit more on on the rider's health and safety, um, I really wanted to record this episode and have this discussion because I personally uh, know people who have had traumatic brain injuries from falls from horses, um, both cases that are coming to mind. One is my dearest and closest friend. And, um, in both cases, they were falls that really couldn't have been prevented. They were sort of, you know, bad luck freak type accidents. Um, and it's important to know that no matter your experience level, no matter the precautions that you take, um, both with your horse and yourself, um, to put yourself in the safest scenario, it is uh, a risky and dangerous sport. Um, and, and one of the, I think, uh, well, that's sort of a, a downer on the upside. I've also personally seen that while there's really great research happening um, in helmets and in sort of pro- protecting and preventing against these types of injuries, there's also been amazing research on treating them I've seen firsthand. Well, it's a, a really long and difficult recovery. I've seen my friends um, that have struggled with this, you know, have successful careers, have families, um, and and recover to be, you know, quite quite successful people in in many many senses. Um, so it is really. Important that this research continues on both sides, um, both on the prevention and and treating, um, and that we all take it very seriously. You know, it's it's always amazing to me. I, I still see people that I you know respect and and know to have a lot of experience that will ride around without helmets and such. And I just I, I just hope people will will really take into consideration that, um, you know, it can happen to anybody and we have this amazing technology to protect us, so why not use it? Um, and with that, uh, that's a wrap for today's episode. As always, you can find the links to today's guest and the show notes at www.sporthorsepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Sporthorse Series as well as on Facebook at Sporthorse Series. Um, please, if you listen to us on. Apple Podcasts or Spotify, rate and review. That's the best way to help other people find the podcast. You can also just send it right over to them or post it on your social media so that people can find us. Um, you know, the more people we can reach, the more people we can hopefully get into this conversation. You can also have all twenty plus shows of the Horse Radio Network network with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone and Android. Just go to the App Store and search Horse Radio Network. Here's to keeping your sport horse happy and healthy.